Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay, local news to keep you rooted. How do you return to normal after a mass shooting? How do you go back to work, to the same place where your coworkers were gunned down less than two weeks earlier? That's what farm workers in Half Moon Bay did this week despite the fear and anxiety that still lingers after a gunman killed seven people at two farms just last week. And I think it's fair to say we should resist the urge to chalk this up to resilience or strength because it's actually not a surprise for a workforce with little power and few choices. Farm workers are some of the most vulnerable people living in our state, yet they're propping up and supporting our entire system to to feed all of us in our state and the country. Some of the most powerful people in the state are now talking more about what life was like for the people killed in Half Moon Bay, and it is not good. There are allegations of possible wage theft and rough living conditions. Conditions that are common for farm workers across the state. Today, how the shooting in Half Moon Bay put the vulnerability of farm workers back in the spotlight. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. 
Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. What do we know, Frida, right now about the farm workers in Half Moon Bay who were killed in the mass shooting last week? We know that there were five men and two women among the the people who died. Farida Javala Romero is a labor correspondent for KQED. There was an eighth person, a man who was injured and hospitalized, and he survived and was reported in stable condition. We know that five of those uh, victims who died were of Asian descent and two were Latino. Their ages were between 43 and 74 years old. Two of the victims were in their 70s, uh, another was 66. All of them were immigrants from Mexico and China. And we know that they were working at the two farms where the shootings happened, uh, and some were also living there with their families. I feel like we often hear a lot about Latino farm workers, but not so much Asian farm workers. And I guess before we move forward, how do these farm workers sort of square with the demographics of farm workers in California more broadly. Asian farm workers are a small proportion of agricultural workers in California, and this is based on, Mm -hmm. you know, federal data. Uh, Most of the farm workers in the state, like around 84 percent, according to the Department of Labor, are Mexican immigrants. But there is a smaller proportion, around 12 percent, who um, are people who are born in the country. And among them, there may be people of Asian descent. But there are also a a very small fraction of people from South America, from Asia, who are also immigrants uh, working in in the fields. And I thought it was interesting that even the uh, county supervisor for the area, Ray Mueller, said after the shooting that local officials had actually been surprised to learn there were Asian immigrant farm workers in Half Moon Bay, which makes it sound like maybe there are very few services geared toward them. Uh, We know it was a smaller uh, community of Asian uh, farm workers in the area. You know, we ended up learning a lot more about what it was like for these farm workers. How did we actually end up learning about the working conditions? Right. So, I mean, obviously after the shooting, there was a huge presence of media at those farms, at the sites. Local officials came in and uh, state officials like Governor Gavin Newsom. The trauma and the damage, the devastation is felt for generations in some cases. And this was just days, of course, after a gunman killed 11 people in Monterey Park in Southern California. Uh, So during the press conference, we find out um, Newsom talked to workers at the farms where the shooting happened, and they tell them that they're afraid to go back to work at those farms. And by the way, some of you should see where these folks are living, living in shipping containers. And it also comes out that they make $9 an hour, which is way below California's minimum wage of $15.50 an hour. No health care, no support, no services, but taking care of our health, providing a service to each and every one of us every single day. And I think that was a really remarkable moment because basically, you know, the governor of California is referring to what sounds like wage theft and other potential housing violations at these farms. Can you maybe describe what people have said about what the living conditions were like exactly. 
Supervisor Ray Mueller was one of the county officials who visited the crime scene. So his district includes Half Moon Bay and most of the coast. And he tweeted out photos of where some of, he said, some of these workers lived in these farms. Uh, and he said the conditions were deplorable and heartbreaking. And the photos show small portable cooking stoves connected to small tanks of gas, sort of a very temporary looking situation, but who knows how long people have been living there. Uh, you know, there was a tricycle late next to what looks like these very small structures with windows. Some of them were in sort of very old uh, trailers and others were living in what has, the word I've heard used the most often is just in, uh, in shacks. We also spoke with San Mateo County District Attorney Steve Wagstaff, whose office is leading the criminal prosecution of the suspect in the shooting. And he said his team also visited one of the farms, California Terra Garden, and that they found very poor living conditions without running water or electricity, really um, a type of living circumstance that I don't think any of us think uh, should exist in uh, this country. Well, what do we know right now about the extent of the problems at these two farms in Half Moon Bay? So the county confirmed that both farms did not have permits to house workers. Later on, you know, it was reported the uh, owners of one or both of the farms or representatives said that they didn't know they were supposed to have permits, but neither had a record of complaints. And because of that, they'd never really been inspected. And the county and city of Half Moon Bay are now working to assess the properties and determine next steps. This is according to their county spokeswoman, Michelle Durand. We also know that the California Labor Commissioner's Office, which investigates wage theft statewide, and workplace health and safety regulators, that's an agency known as Calosha. They're also looking into potential violations. We don't know a lot more at this point about these investigations, but we do uh, know that Calosha has about six months to issue any citations if they find any problems. Um, and that's generally from the time when a violation is noticed, uh, usually during an on-site inspection, which I'm sure inspectors are going to visit these farms after you know the governor publicly decried the conditions he heard from farm workers. Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of messed up that it took a mass shooting to really find out about these terrible working conditions for these farmers. But I also feel like it's not really new to hear that farm workers are being exploited. Are these working conditions for farm workers in Half Moon Bay, like between the wage theft and these terrible housing conditions, is it pretty common for farm workers across the state? Unfortunately, the evidence we have points that it happens often. Agriculture is one of the most targeted industries for enforcement at the Labor Commissioner's Office, and they say that's because of frequent labor violations. 
We know farm workers make on average about uh, $15.28 an hour, which is just slightly less than minimum wage in the state. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's an average, right? So some people are making more, but there's people who are making a lot less too. And then in terms of living conditions, I've seen surveys that found workers living in bare garages, in cars, in animal stalls. Others are living in overcrowded housing to be able to afford it. And if you think about it, I mean, if you're making around $31,700, I think, per year, you just can't afford housing. And in a lot of regular areas, there's not a lot of affordable housing or other resources for them. And employers um, are able to kind of hold their workers hostage by both providing them with this terrible housing and keeping them paid at, at such a low rate. I spoke with Cynthia Rice with the California Rural Legal Assistance, and she told me that um, farm workers who live in the same place where they work, you know, where there's employer-provided housing, are more vulnerable to exploitation because they rely on employers not just for their wages, but a place to live uh, for their families. If you work and live at the same place, You might look for another job, and even if you make another dollar or two an hour or even come up to minimum wage, if there's not another housing option for you, you can't leave that job because you're going to lose your housing too. I also spoke with Shasan Liu. She directs the Chinese Progressive Association in San Francisco. The situation that was happening in Half Moon Bay um, really reflected the hard life of Uh, immigrant workers who are struggling to survive in low-wage industries that so many of our members can relate to. And just to be clear, she says she doesn't have all the specifics of the incident in Half Moon Bay, but we do know investigators say it was workplace violence. And Liu says this shooting feels very close to home because they see time and time again similar bad job and substandard conditions in other low-wage industries that stress out workers and make conflicts escalate. Through our work organizing workers in low-wage industries, the powder keg of poor working conditions poison the well and make it difficult for there to be a healthy and safe working environment. Interpersonal conflict is high because people have to, you know, don't have what they need to live. What factors make farm workers so vulnerable to problems like wage theft and just exploitation in general? Well, the main factor is that most of the agricultural workers in California are undocumented. We know from federal government figures that about 60% of farm workers in the state do not have authorization to work in this country. And so if there's this combination of maybe some fear among a lot of them and also like language barriers, other types of barriers, then they're just more vulnerable to these kinds of situations where they're they're not being paid the uh, minimum wage set by by California laws. What happens from here in Half Moon Bay, starting with the two farms where the victims worked? Yes, so we know the state investigations could take months. 
both the labor commissioner's office and Kalosha, we know are severely understaffed. They don't have the capacity to deal with the number of complaints on a super timely basis. So stuff can, you know, take months. But the fact that the governor brought up these problems so publicly, I think will probably end up turning up the heat. <laughs> Maybe there's going to be a little more pressure. I've watched the community over the last week grieve tremendously. I also listened into a recent meeting at the county where Supervisor Ray Mueller talked about um, what he thought would be one of the best ways to honor victims and their surviving relatives. The best way that we can uh, show their families that they are not forgotten is to move forward boldly with policy. And he was talking about housing for farm workers. He said that there are some plans that are going to be brought forward to build affordable housing for farm workers in the coast, that it would be a project that would be managed by a nonprofit. And he said they, the county should also work to upgrade current housing for these workers, along, you know, working with uh, farmers and um, other uh, folks who are interested in keeping a stable workforce around. I don't want us to lose this moment because I keep thinking about what will be three weeks from now or four weeks from now when the press in the room goes away. And when people are talking about other issues, will we keep the same momentum? I feel like what happened in Half Moon Bay and I guess the conditions that were revealed there, um, as we've just been talking about, are not unique at all to Half Moon Bay and that there's a bigger problem for farm workers statewide. So what protections do farm workers need, not just in Half Moon Bay, but in California more broadly? Most immediately, it would be to see some results of these investigations and see what's uncovered. If there were violations, that there's some accountability for those employers. Now, in the bigger picture, I mean, we have this situation in California, right, where even the governor's office has called for immigration reform at the federal level to bring millions of people and workers in the state into a legal status. But the issue there is that this is a federal task. You know, this is something that needs to be done by Congress. And of course, you know, it's just been a complete stalemate. So it's not a proposition realistic right now that this is, you know, going to happen as a result of of this mass shooting in Half Moon Bay. But I'd say definitely what state and local agencies can do is to keep an eye, you know, on these types of conditions and not let it pass. One of the things that we have hoped and we've actually worked with with some of you know, the city and county council and offices, is that local communities will um, step up and start enforcing these laws. Like I mentioned, I spoke with Cynthia Rice at the California Rural Legal Assistance, and uh, she said that these shootings were a tragedy, but it would be another tragedy if the investigations of conditions at these at these farms impacting more farm workers, um, if they weren't thoroughly investigated. It's important that the community 
um, itself respond to these issues and not turn a blind eye, not just pretend that group of shacks that they pass every day on their way to work and next to the mushroom farm isn't really there or that no one lives there because we all know that they do. Farm workers are some of the most vulnerable people living in our state, yet they're propping up and supporting our entire system to, to feed all of us in our state and the country. Well, Frida, thank you so much. Thank you, Erica. We want to take a moment to name the victims of the shooting in Half Moon Bay. They are Jose Romero Perez, Marciano Martinez Jimenez, Jer Shun Lu, Jingjer Lu, Chi Jong Chung, Ye Tao Bing, A Xiong Zhang, and Pedro Romero Perez, who was injured but has since recovered. Our show notes has a link to the Half Moon Bay Victims Fund, which is being organized in part by the folks behind Stop AAPI Hate and Chinese for Affirmative Action. All donations will go to the victims and surviving families. That was Farida Javala Romero, a labor correspondent for KQED. This 31-minute conversation with Farida was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Alan Montesilio is our senior editor. He scored this episode and added all the tape. The Bay is made by KQED in San Francisco. Our intern is Jalen Herdman. Our podcast engagement producer is Cesar Saldana. Jen Chien is our director of podcasts. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.